If you're a really good listener to local music, you've probably already heard Matthew Powers and his project Midnight Review Presents. And if you've bought any of Matt's tapes, you've probably seen the visual aspect of what he does. That visual art is on display this month at the Blankstein Gallery at the Millennium Library. His Drips and Drops exhibit showcases his multimedia works in an observance of natural flow and overlapping aesthetic textures. And if you like that art speak, you should head on down to the library and check out the show. It's free and it runs until the end of the month. Again, that's Drips and Drops, an art exhibit by Matthew Powers at the Millennium Library's Blankstein Gallery on the second floor. If you're like me, you probably have a closet full of local band merch. And whether you know it or not, a lot of that band merch is probably made by Divine Shirt Company right here in Winnipeg. Divine Shirt Company has made all of the Great Witch Police merch from our hoodies to our toques to our t-shirts. And if you're looking to get anything done, like screen printing, embroidery, graphic design, digital printing, go to see Divine Shirt Company at divineshirtcompany.ca and tell them which police radio sent you. I just want to give a huge shout out to everyone who supports the show over on patreon.com slash witchpolice, especially our latest patrons, Nick and Kim. If you want to support the show on Patreon, you can get access to a ton of bonus content, all of the advanced interviews, you can get video interviews, you can get bonus episodes with content you've never heard before. Every time I talk to an artist, I record a couple of minutes of extra bonus content, and that's all there on the Patreon. There's all kinds of fun stuff. Hundreds and hundreds of, of episodes and videos and interviews and all kinds of stuff is there for the taking if you support the show for as little as a couple bucks a month. So again, that's over at patreon.com slash witchpolice. Thanks again to the latest patrons, Kim and Nick, and to everyone who supports the show. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. Uh, one of the cool things about doing this show for as long as I have and talking to such a broad sort of um, array of local artists is that, you know, I have on some episodes people who have been doing this thing for decades and then I have on other episodes people who are in brand new bands that have just sort of just launched their first single. And that's kind of the case um, with the uh, guests on the podcast today. Uh, it, it's always interesting when I have bands on that are relatively new because, you know, when it's someone I've been listening to for 20 years, it, it's very easy to sort of instantly think of what I want to talk about because I have this long sort of personal relationship with the songs. But I've only very recently heard your song because it only very recently came out um, <laughs> publicly. So I, I think this will be a fun conversation just... Um, on that front alone. So I think the best way to start this off is if the two of you want to introduce yourselves and the band and maybe just give a bit of background about what you do as artists uh, so people can put a name to the voice. So whoever wants to go first. Ladies, ladies first. Ladies first? So like you or me, babe? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll bite. Uh, my name's Danny, and I sing in How to Boil Water. I do the vocals. It's, yeah, a really fun project. It's like my only band where I only do singing and Connor writes all the music so I kind of just get to show up and do my thing which is very very fun it's like a diva moment um and the band it's like 
I don't know, just more fun, exciting. I think I guess Connor would probably be able to describe it better because they write most of the songs, but uh that that would yeah, I'm Connor. Uh, I play guitar and I, I do the songwriting in the band. Um that's my general role, and then just being a general drill sergeant. A pseudo manager, if you will. Well, and there's more than just the two of you in the band. So, how many other people are we missing here tonight? So, we also have uh, our other guitarist, Raiden, um, our bassist, Owen, and then our drummer, Nick. Okay, okay. And how long has this been 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 a group? Because, like I said, sort of at the beginning, I mean, you know, you're very new in the sense that you just released your first single uh, not too long before we recorded this. So, uh, what's sort of the origins of this project? Um. So I started writing for this project about two years ago, sort of just towards the tail end of my old band. Um, and then I got a bunch of material together, found some people to jam it. And then I guess we've like been formed and like playing shows for pretty much just since the start of the summer. Okay. Um, we had about probably a couple months before that of just rehearsing and working on the songs and just getting together. We went through a couple lineup changes, a couple drummers here and there. But I guess all in all, like really about six to seven months. And so how do you get from that point to, uh, well, actually, you know what, first of all, one of the things I thought was very interesting about what you did is having a release show for a single. And I, I realize we're in like a totally different uh, environment here where, where the way music is consumed is not at all the same as it was even a few years ago, really, with just the way everyone streams things. And singles have this like sort of really high importance in terms of uh, getting music out there. And they're often hyped up the same way that albums would be what was the reasoning behind doing a release show for a single? Because I see a lot of people, you know, putting a ton of effort and work into releasing singles, but a release show is, is a new one for me. I think my mentality for wanting to do it was we have plans to do an EP, but we wanted to sort of throw a couple singles out at everyone just as a little, like quick little tasters of what we can do and what we're about. And I normally wouldn't do a whole extravagant release show for a single, but with it being our first song, it felt kind of like a nice occasion to just celebrate like the beginning of everything. Okay. And that was sort of my mentality behind it. No, that makes, um, sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So what was, I, I guess, what was the reception then? Now, now that you have that single out in the world and you're sort of, um, now you know you're on record as being an actual band with actual music people can, people can check out. What is, what is the reception been uh, from people who have either went to the show or have just heard the single since it's been out there? I mean, on my end, it's been great, but I'll, I'll let Danny answer sure. this one. Yeah, I've um, had a lot of people like talk to me and say like, oh my gosh, the song has been like stuck in my head. It's so catchy. Um, before it was released, like I showed one of my friends it um, who like works with my boyfriend. And then they were like, everybody who works there was like humming. And they couldn't figure out what song it was. And they were like, dang, I want to listen to this song. Like, is it Paramore? Like, I don't know. Why can't we find this song? And then they realized it was our unreleased song. And I was like, whoa, that made me feel like really good about the demo. Um, and seeing people like, you know, they obviously do listen to it and have it in their heads because at the show, everybody was like singing along to oh, cool. this single. People were crowd surfing. It was just like, whoa, it feels amazing. Honestly, the reception of the single has been super exciting. Yeah. Well, that maybe brings up another question because I mean, like you said, the single, it is super catchy for sure. It's an earworm. And I, and I think that's probably what you were going for um, with the song. I mean, when you're releasing a single, you want, you want people to be going back to it over and over again and, and listening to it repeatedly. Right. But 
I'm going to ask the terrible question that everyone hates answering is how, how do you define the type of music you play? Because I feel like, you know, as a new band, when you first came out, I, I saw, I saw photos of the band and I, I was probably prejudging what kind of music it would be based on the sort of the style of the photos and things like that. And I, I think it's often hard to tell just from that. I mean, this is much catchier than I thought it was going to be based on, you know, reading, uh, judging a book before opening the cover or whatever the saying is. But how, how do you define sort of the style uh, of what you play? Do you want to take this? I, either one it? of you could take this one. I mean... What is it to you, Danny? <laughs> I, I think we can both, you know... Yeah, I'm actually curious to hear both of your answers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially because Connor writes, like, the musical arrangements. There are no vocal melodies or lyrics, so okay, that's okay. kind of on me to take up. And this is, like, my first band that's, like, kind of in this realm of writing. I'm mostly in, like, indie pop, super twee bands. Yeah, yeah. And this is kind of more, like, sexy, emo, mysterious, post-hardcore, shoegazy, droney, atmospheric, like, that kind of vibe. So, I don't know, that's what... I would say to it like I think we have like a, definitely some pop sensibility like coming from me being the vocalist and even just in the songwriting like it's a little bit you know they're dance songs they're meant to have fun too a lot of like the songs that we've wrote but like you know not all of them but there's a fair amount of like dance songs in there um like our single like just kind of meant to have fun too um but also they're all like pretty depressing and about being like tortured in love and like <laughs> being kind of like you know in that like desperate headspace or like sure. super emotional and very angsty so it's like dreamy shoegaze post whatever you want to call it i don't know <laughs> but connor connor would probably have a better answer go ahead connor um yeah i guess for me like you hit on a lot of the, the points that i would hit on um I described it a lot when before we like actually started putting things out and like the it was in sort of a preliminary stage of just describing it as like sad songs that you can dance to. Okay. Um, I come from a lot of a, like a big background of like post hardcore, old school emo, metalcore, a lot of stuff that's like very like hard hitting and riff driven. But what I wanted to do was just like take a lot of those sensibilities and then just put them on pop. Um, so the songs are very structured. They're very chorus driven. Um, they're made to be super palatable because I just want them to be something that any, like you can just listen to and enjoy. You don't have to overthink it. Um, and I like to pull in lots of different elements from various spectrums of things I like. Like I like to pull in atmospheric things and heavy things and just try to blend them all into this sort of like soup sure. of just sad, dancey awesomeness. Is there is there a challenge combining those? I mean, both of you sort of referred to the the sadness of it and, and the sort of gloomy vibe to it, but then also having the pop element, which is which and the danceable element, which are sort of on paper seem like they're they're very opposed. Is it difficult to sort of marry the two and and keep the uh, those emotions in the song while also making it something that's you know relatively upbeat and and, and is going to stick in people's heads? I don't really think so. A lot of my favorite songs, like pretty much my whole life are like, you know, pop dance songs that when you listen to the lyrics, you're like, dang, this is dark or depressing or whatever, or goth music where it's like, sure. yeah, I could dance to this all night. But like, there is this definite gloominess to it. So for me, it feels like pretty natural to be like dancing and having good time, but like kind of still in my feelings. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I for think, me, it's, yeah. oh, sorry. 
Sorry, I was just about to say, I mean, sorry. I think a lot oh, of sorry. people kind of relate to that. Like, you sure. know, I see you guys on the on the floor at goth night. <laughs> like, I know the vibe is there, but yeah, Connor, go ahead. I think like compositionally, the the balance for me is like all of the songs start on just like just an unplugged electric guitar. And I basically just find the kind of saddest, prettiest chords I can and then write very sad um progressions but then what what i do is just put them on fast beats and just okay. like recontextualize them into like so if you if you were to just take the guitars away from our songs and you were just to listen to the drums like they're basically like pop punk songs or post hardcore songs and then it's just about throwing in those really sad atmospheric chords and then on top of that throwing really poppy vocals and it kind of creates this balance of like you can tune into some elements and it can make you really sad or you can tune into other elements and it makes you want to dance and then it just kind of creates this like crying in the club type vibe <laughs> yeah i like that i like that that's a good uh, a good description of it it's, it's it's cool how just adding that one element though that 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 totally changes the the tone of it. I mean, it still has obviously, like you said, the pop vocals and the the, the danceable sort of beat to it. But yeah, the atmospheric guitars for sure are something that that's going to totally switch the the overall feel of something. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What is sort of the plan now that you've now, now that you have this out? I mean, now that you you played the release show, I know you have some shows coming up because when I had uh, Death set on the show, they were talking about how excited they are to play with you. Um, but but what what's sort of in the cards now? Now that you have this single out, are, are there more singles sort of to be released soon? Yeah, um, we have another single that is going to be coming out December first. Is the plan as of right now, and I'm pretty sure we're going to stick to it. Well, now you have to because um, you said it on, yeah, on no, a recording. <laughs> it's on. Uh, we're getting everything in order to get that out December first. Um, yeah, our last show of the year is going to be with Desk- with uh, Death Cassette in November there on the seventeenth. Um, then we're going to be taking a bit of a break for the winter to focus on some writing. Uh, going back into the studio in January to record an EP okay. that we are hoping is going to come out sometime in spring of next year. Um, and we've got we've got a show book for February that we can't talk too much about yet. And then the plan is to just have a really busy summer, um, cool. planning on doing a tour and looking at some festivals and stuff. So wheels are in motion. Think, think, things are things are uh, going to be happening in the next few months. It's crackalackin'. Awesome.
So is the writing process, I mean, but by the sounds of things, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like the two of you kind of contribute, but separately, right? Is that how the, the these songs are written? For the most part, yeah. I would say, like, the the main, like, bulk of the actual songwriting instrumentally is just sort of done with me, like, huddled over my computer with the lights off at three in the morning, just, like, sobbing and trying to write riffs <laughs> that don't sound like garbage. And then eventually I create, like, a song and I... I run the I run a couple versions by like the whole band just to make okay. sure everybody's like vibing with it, seeing how they feel about it, like structurally and the progressions of things. And then I will send it over to Danny. And usually we have like a little talk about like what we think the song should be about, like what we kind of want to touch on theme wise. And then like a lot of that is built around like I try to use a working title that kind of builds a vibe for what we're what I think the song might be about. And then I send it over to Danny and then you kind of take over from there and then what what does that process look like for you once you have the the canvas i like how you're asking once my questions for canvas. me it's great <laughs> i love that yeah once i have the songs that you write i'll usually listen to them a couple times and like i don't know i i'm the type of person i always kind of hear melodies in my head in my other bands like i'm kind of used to more writing like in like a jam setting where I'm just playing guitar, I'll come up with a chord progression that I like, and then there it just comes out of me like whatever melody I think like would fit. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, let's just say that out loud in the moment. So I'll just kind of do that by myself in my room while like, you know, puttering around. And um, when I hear things that I'm like, oh, I like that, like that's pretty hooky or catchy or like, you know, oh, I can definitely like put that in this part or whatever. I'll do that. Uh, sometimes it's just stream of consciousness. Like I've had some songs where I listen to it and I'm like immediately like, oh, okay, it's there. Like I can hear it. I know what I want to say. Um, and other things I kind of stew on for a little bit longer. A lot of um, the lead guitar lines in our songs, like I kind of mirror them sometimes with certain vocal parts. Cause sometimes like I'll get an arrangement and it already sounds like so full and beautiful. And I'm like, dang, like I can't compete with this guitar. So just get on the same wavelength as it. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's like, it's always pretty fun. Always a little bit different, but I can kind of just hear the melodies in my head. And I, I love the songs that Connor writes. I think they're super catchy and that helps a lot too. When it's like in my head, worming around there, I have kind of no problem meditating on it and adding things to it. Yeah. And then from there, we usually, Oh, sorry. Yeah. We usually from there, bring it to the jam space for everybody. At that point, I'll, I'll send, um, Ryden and Owen, just like a basic, how, what I wrote, like what I'm playing in the demos and then they have like a, the freedom to kind of just like expand on that, play around with it. Um, our drummer, Nick, he'll learn like the basic structure and the feels of the parts and then toss his own little spice on it. And then it's just a matter of just jamming it out together. And then I think usually um, that also like develops on Danny's parts, like actually hearing them in the room with the rest of the band. And then that's when the songs actually come together is when we really flush them out in the workshop. Do they change considerably from 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 sort of the initial version to what ends up happening with the with the full band? Like, are the other members sort of are their contributions enough to to significantly sort of tweak what's happened, or are the songs essentially the basic format that you came up with in the first place, but just maybe embellished a bit? I would say, yeah, they're more embellished. Um, there will be certain sections where it's like um, there will be a cutaway part where it goes to just one clean guitar, and like 
maybe Raiden will have the idea like, oh, we should double this instead of playing it one time or like just just honestly, even just like the way Nick will play the drums differently will have a huge impact on the field. Just the way he'll he'll do fills rather than the ones I did or just like little embellishments on the beats. Um, and then from there, it's it's usually a matter of like, we'll play the songs a couple times live. Yeah. And then like for one of the one or two of the songs that we've been playing for a while, I just like don't like how they feel live and in the room. So then from that point, I'll kind of just take them back to square one and like redigest what I think might work better for us, um, which is going to be a big process for us going into recording the EP. Um, and then from there, it'll be like I'm planning to have it be a lot more collaborative with the writing i i really do enjoy writing like the basic structure of things and coming up with parts yeah but i would like to start having people come in more and like giving their ideas on arrangements and like lengths of things and where things can go and little embellishments just so that it can feel like more of a full band project rather than just one little goblin <laughs> crunching away yeah i think it just it fell into that just because i started this band as like a a bedroom thing of just like kind of a songwriting outlet while I was in my old band and then I just ended up liking the song. So I wanted to start the band. So I'm trying to get myself the gear out of that mode and have it be more of a collaborative experience for everybody. Okay. okay. What is the significance behind the band name? Cause it's, it's memorable. <laughs> well, I feel like that's something everybody wants to know, right? It's just, it's a very important part of cooking. This is true. Yeah. Tea. Um, I guess the, the real story behind it is just in a very early, early, early stage of this band, we were trying to think of a band name and we really couldn't think of anything. And I had a, a four picture diagram on how to boil water on, uh, on my desktop because just in case I forget. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the, that's ever happened where I've forgotten how to boil water, but yeah, go ahead. Hey, it's tough. You never know. You, you, you never know. The stove yeah. and the oven, microwave, who knows? <laughs> um, and it just on the top of it it just said how to boil water and I said it to myself out loud and I was like that's like sticking there's something there and then from there I just took out all the capitals and put it all into one word and boom MySpace <laughs> it is very MySpace yeah you're right you're right well and it's interesting you mentioned MySpace too because that whole aesthetic, as well as some of the genres you mentioned earlier, I mean, emo and metalcore and a lot of these genres that kind of had their peak, I don't know when it would have been, like early 2000s, are now coming back in a huge way. And it's interesting to see sort Absolutely. of that. And a lot of that stuff was kind of maligned for a long time. It was like, ah, oh, MySpace, remember that? But now it seems like there's a whole generation of people who are like ignoring that kind of stigma on it and then getting back to what they liked about it or what was initially popular and cool and fun about it. And that seems to be a thing again. Is that sort of um, some of the influence here is, is taking some of those genres that maybe, you know, 10 years ago people thought were shit and sort of finding what's actually good about them and why people liked them in the first place. Absolutely. 10 years ago I was 15. So I was okay. right in the middle of it. Absolutely adoring it and loving it. Um, and there's just so many things about like that era that I just love, like sonically and aesthetically, there's just like, there's just like a certain sincerity to a lot of those songs and just like an earnestness in like in the songwriting and the melodies and just the way everything was presented that I've always really enjoyed and like watching it all sort of coming back into modern music, like blended with like better production and different things. has just been like really cool. And that was definitely like, that's definitely a big influence on like what I'm trying to do. Um, it's just kind of bring like, bring that MySpace core stuff into like sort of a modern 
um, mode. Is that, is that the same situation as far as the, the vocals and lyrics go? Or are you pulling that inspiration from somewhere else? Um, kind of from all over. There is definitely some of that, like, MySpace emo influence in there. Like, I mean, 10 years ago, I was, like, 11, but I was on the internet, like, too young, so I probably still would have, like, <laughs> you know, I was, I was on, I was on MySpace when I was, like, nine, like, right. but, like, I didn't really do anything on there other than, like, go on MS Paint and make edits of, like, my favorite, like, emo band singers with, like, hearts around them, so, like, <laughs> You know, I was ready for this project. Like, I was, I'm ready. Um, and just like kind of having that like fun, cute, whimsical, romantic like songwriting that I like to bring to, you know, all of my projects that are more kind of like twee and cutesy. Yeah. And then also, you know, I do a lot of like screaming and harsh vocals and kind of heavier stuff too. And I love like that dichotomy. I love kind of giving people whiplash and being like, wait, this was super cute. What the hell is going on now? Like, whoa, <laughs> that kind of thing. So yeah, I love pulling from everywhere. And to like the musical arrangements, there is like a little bit of that MySpace flavor in there, but there's also so many other like just gorgeous elements pulled from so many different places so kind of trying to fit that vibe and like really look anywhere for inspiration has been what my process has been like yeah well it's it's cool because i'm quite a bit older i mean i'm i'm 41 and so for me that myspace era like i was already i i used myspace so did everybody but that style wasn't really something that i was into as a, as a listener but i definitely saw it sort of having an effect on the culture and it's really neat to see it come back with people who were really young when it first sort of was a thing right and it, it, it's just kind of um i mean i'm so used to seeing nostalgia for stuff that i grew up listening to when i was a teenager but now the nostalgia for the stuff when i was like in my 20s for those teenagers is coming back and it's it's, it's so weird to see how it cycles and it's cool to see you know Again, what one of you just said about the sort of impact of, of that old stuff then being affected by good production values and, and all the sort of the new technology and new sounds that are getting filtered through that. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see it, even though I wasn't, you know, an emo kid at the time of that um, that big explosion there. But it's cool to see this coming back and, and, and being sort of redefined and, and, and remixed and stuff. Absolutely. That wasn't really a question. That was just <laughs> more of a statement. Um, so at this point, I mean... Yeah. The, the good thing about this being a podcast, someone could hear it, you know, the day it comes out or they could hear it a year from now. And by then, who knows, maybe you have the EP out already, maybe you're touring. What's the best uh, way at this point to find your music and find out more about what you're doing uh, as far as upcoming shows and things like that? Uh, we're most active on Instagram, um, pretty much only active on Instagram. Um, social media is a hellish nightmare, so I it try is. to relegate myself to mostly doing promotion on just one space. Um we're available on any streaming platform. Um, we will be having a music video coming up soon as well on YouTube. Um, so there's that will be that. Um, but for the most part, Instagram, Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, if you're crazy. Um, really wherever you want. Cool. And then people should expect another single uh, later in the year. You say you're saying December kind of, and then into yep. the new year for, for a, a larger release. Yeah, we have, yeah. Uh, this the goal for this year was just sort of like to get our get our toes wet, get some songs out, um, sort of cut our teeth on the stage a little bit, and then the plan for next year is to just go full tilt and really see what we can do. Cool. Did you feel that uh, you've sort of accomplished that first part uh, of getting getting the word out, getting your names out there, getting the uh, the music out there? I know it's all again very new, uh, but 
Uh, I would say I'm very happy with what we've accomplished this year so far. Um, the single release show we played on Saturday was sold out, um, and I think that's pretty good for our, our second headliner. Yeah. Um, and things have just been great. We've been There's a very strong scene right now, um, stronger than I've seen in quite a long time in Winnipeg, um, and we're just really happy to be a part of that and get to play with some such fantastic bands that we're um, happy enough to also just be friends with because it's full of great people right now. Yeah, it's always always nice to see that when when everyone's. I mean, I always kind of joke that the Winnipeg music scene has always been extremely incestuous, where everyone plays in each other's bands and everyone knows each other. But there, there's a lot of good things that come out of that too, right? I mean, everyone sort of has. Um, it's like a large community that also seems really tight knit, and it's cool to see that generation after generation that's still the case and Winnipeg still mm-hmm. has like uh, new bands popping up every week but everyone sort of knows each other and is encouraging each other and all that so it's, it's, it's well, I think it's one of the reasons I still do this after like 10 years with this podcast is that like you know everyone is making cool stuff and every time I meet one band doing cool stuff I meet like three other bands that are connected to them that are doing interesting music and it just it just never ends right yeah it's there for for how small a city it is we have so much talent just per capita even yeah. like it's it's fantastic to see it's pretty bonkers. 